There we go. Record. All right. So uh, we're in, again, we're going to be studying uh, the end of chapter three and the very first verse of chapter four. I want to start us off with um, <clears throat> some comments uh, as we set the tone for what we're going to be looking at today. Um, I, I was incredibly disappointed uh, over a Facebook uh, thread that was out there uh, recently. Um, and it was primarily people from Kensington that were involved in it. And Ephesians tells us that we need to speak the truth in love. And... Um, these were not just truths, but these were at times opinions uh, about basically what we're going to be talking about today, which is slaves and masters and, and how that plays out in our lives and how it, the consequences of that over the, the centuries. And uh, it was brutal. If any of you caught it, it was, it was brutal. Um, I finally stopped following it because I didn't, I just was getting perturbed and disappointed with our, with our people. Uh, take a position and tell somebody that they're, uh, they're wrong and, and that they're idiots. And then the next person would, you know, disagree and basically call them an idiot and, and, and worse uh, on all sides. And it was like, uh, what happened to love? What happened to you? I'm sorry. Civility. Yeah, civility. Civility was just law, totally lost in this conversation. It's the, it's, it's the mixed multitude. Well, I think that what happens is we get into Facebook and we just decide that, that we're going to – Facebook is a place to is – is the new uh, coliseum for the gladiators. You know, we're going we're gonna to stand our ground and, and we're going to fight our, our battles. And I'm going, guys, this is, this is not what God called us to be or to do. And, and while I have some strong opinions on issues, uh, I, by the way, has anyone, with a show of hands, anyone ever changed anybody's opinion by arguing on Facebook? Anyone ever not been on Facebook? Yeah. Okay. A couple of you guys. Good, Good for you, though, they haven't. It, it was like, you, 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 Facebook is not a place to have an open argument. It's just, it's just going to cause wounds. And, and they're not going to be well. What was the subject that they were arguing about? Politics? Uh, black and white issues in America. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. It was, it was like, oh, man. Mm. <clears throat> so, anyhow. Um, was leadership involved? No. Leadership started it with a post. I think I heard about it. Yeah. Not the details, but. Well, I stopped after that night. I'm, I'm sure it was going on long. You know, I just got, I was getting frustrated and not frustrated enough that I was going to write anything, just frustrated. Hey, did, did you hear that uh, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook are merging into one company? Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. They're calling it you twit face. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. <laughs> yeah. That's right. good. So, uh, 
let's let's dig into this and let's read these these first these few verses as we as we and then let's just pray that God gives us insight. Yeah. Um, so as we talk and as you guys put comments in, remember that we are we're all part of the family, and uh, it's okay to disagree. In fact, it's okay to disagree with me and with with the way that I'm going to interpret this passage. That's fine. Uh, you won't hurt my feelings if you choose to disagree with me. You'll be wrong, but you you won't hurt my feelings. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, what I I think that we can learn from each other, and we can and iron can sharpen iron if we're willing to uh, listen. listen, and we're willing to use logic. And then, most importantly, allow the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts and lives, uh, and let Him be our guide. I think that will change a lot of the the tone of things that tend to happen. And I'm not, by the way, I'm not anticipating there being a knockdown, dragout fight, if for no other reason the fact that we are separated uh, by camera <laughs> should yeah. help. But anyhow, let's uh, let's do this. Let's look at. Uh, at, again, we, this is the third of the three couplets. We've talked about wives and husbands. We've talked about children and fathers. And now we're going to talk about slaves and masters. Hmm. And we'll hopefully be able to make some points about not just slaves and masters, but how does that, is there something we can draw from this for today in the business situation that we find ourselves in? All right. So okay. let's look at uh, this. And slaves. Obey your earthly masters and everything. Do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work it, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide uh, your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. All right. Of all of the situations, the, the, the wives and husbands, the uh, children and parents, uh, the, the guidelines for slavery are probably the most complex of all of the relationships. At the same time, they also reveal the heart of the matter, I think, that underlines all of these commands put together. Um, you can't help but, but feel perplexed because Paul didn't bother to write to undermine the institution of slavery or at least encourage revolt from the slaves. That would be what some people should would think, right? Why didn't he speak out against it? Um, <coughs> if you think about it, the church has only been around for about 10 to 15 years at this point. They are primarily located, although there are probably pockets around, around the Roman Empire and maybe even outside the empire by now. It's still a pretty small faction. Uh, I would guess that realistically we're looking at less than 100,000 people. I'm guessing if we're lucky, maybe 50 
thousand, and I think that's a high estimate. The number of slaves alone in the Roman Empire at this point are sixty million. Yeah. They make up about a third of the population of the Roman Empire. Can you imagine 50,000 people coming up with the idea that maybe we ought to revolt against the Roman Empire? Do you think it's going to go well? What is the main purpose of what what is the main purpose of the church? What's the great commission tell us here? Love one another. Okay, that's the great commandment. Yep. What's the Great Commission? Oh, to go in all the world and preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Yeah, and teaching them to observe all things and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Does that happen if you're having a revolt? No. Probably not. <laughs> so the first thing that I would point out to you is that the main purpose of the church is to bring people into the kingdom. After you bring people into the kingdom... Then does God change your hearts? Yes. Oh, yeah. Did we find out that when we simply are involved in political action, does it work well for Christians? Let's think back in the 70s. Anyone remember the moral majority? Yeah. Did that work well? Mm. Jerry maybe, Falwell. Maybe, maybe for a, I thought so. a time or two, we got a few votes <laughs> in, we got a few people in. But what did we find out? You can't change people's hearts by changing laws. That's amen. You change people's hearts by the gospel. And then when their hearts are changed, the laws will change. In fact, sometimes you don't even have to bother changing the laws. You just have to follow what God tells you to do. And you won't, you won't, those things won't be involved in, in your, in your situation. So the problem, one of the problems I think in the first century is you can't, you can't ask for a revolt with less than 50,000 people, and not all of them are going to join. Not all of them are slaves, probably a, a, a large percentage, perhaps, but not all. And then secondly, you've got the fact that the, that, uh, the teaching of the apostles here and elsewhere, they, it does clearly sow seeds of emancipation. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, we'll get there as I dig into this a little deeper, in 1 Corinthians, it says, if at all possible, get free. It doesn't say to revolt. It doesn't say to run away. It says get free. And, and in, in first century time, it was possible to buy your freedom. Okay. All right. So, so are, we saying, do, are you saying then, Val, that, you, that, we, that we do have to look at Scripture with an eye towards the historical perspective of the time? Always, always start with what did, what did scripture mean with the original inhabitants or the people that received it? And that means that, yes, we're dealing with a patriarchal society, you right. know, in first century. There's no doubt. But we've got it. It can't mean something different today that it didn't mean in the first century. Now, let me go on to say that. That doesn't mean that they were right about everything in the first century and the first few centuries. It took a while to, to even decide what we consider orthodoxy. That, a lot of it wasn't established until the fourth century. as to okay, this is what orthodoxy is. 
in some cases, even as far as the Chalcedon, which is the middle of the fourth, almost in the, into the fifth century, as to some of these things. So is it any, any does it cause you any, um, I mean, does it seem odd that it would take, oh, I don't know, 1800 years before slavery starts to be abolished in various parts of the world? It, it took the church how many years to, to figure out what their doctrine was? The, the theological perspective that I, that I come from, my particular wheelhouse, I think I've mentioned to you this in the past, but it actually came uh, into, uh, it, it grew and became an established uh, tradition, if you will, of understanding scripture uh, in the mid-1800s. And it's only been around for 150 years or so. Now, I happen to think it's right. I happen to think that it just took us that long to get it figured out. It's also why I think that it took us that long to get it figure, figured out that, that slavery isn't, isn't right. And by the way, slavery is still going on today. Yeah. Call it different things. Call it human trafficking. Call it, you know, enslaved prostitution. We call it lots of other things, but it's still slavery. We just call it by another name. Class warfare. Sure. Yeah, class warfare could be. Yeah. But isn't that one of the things that, you know, where you get people on, you know, very strong opinions about oh, yeah. uh, scripture where they look at it and they say, the Bible says this, you can't mm -hmm. change it. And, and frankly, I remember, I know we had a little bit of this discussion at Panera one time about, you know, the, the place of women in the church. Mm -hmm. and, like, you know, you mentioned, I mean, it was a patriarchal society mm -hmm. back then. They couldn't say that women were going to, you know, be leading churches or anything like that back then because it would have been, it, it would have been totally disregarded. Well, there are, of course, there were cults that, that women were leading right. in certain types of temple worship. But you're right. In general, it would have been a, it had been a difficult time. As to how that plays out today, again, in some cases, the scripture is, seems to give leniency in making decisions in some places. I don't think it does. And it yeah. depends on what area you want to pick yeah. and how you want to apply it. <laughs> and uh, we've got to allow grace for those of us who have differing opinions in areas where the scripture seems to give us possible. Think about this. <clears throat> During the Civil War, were there Christians on the side of the Confederacy? What? Were there Christians on the side of the, fought for the Confederacy during the Civil War? Yeah. yeah. Were there Christians that fought in the Still Union long. that were in the Civil War? Yeah. Yes. Grant, did, a lot did of Yeah. Longstreet. Did, did they have strong convictions? Was there yeah. any doubt that they were believers? No. No. Were they right in every part of their understanding of Scripture? <laughs> no. Are we right in every part of our understanding of Scripture? No yes. way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no, we're not. <laughs> you, you have, you know, 
it, it, I, I told you this, I think Thursday, we had part, we had part of this conversation a little bit on Thursday, but um, when I was, when I was in high school, I, I, t I told you, I, pl I played on a varsity basketball team in a, in a class D school. So you can imagine it wasn't a great school. It wasn't like it was a bit class A, you know, and I'm, yeah. and I'm some major star. I'm, 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 a, I'm not, I wasn't that great. That so, goes without saying. So thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, and I resemble that, Keith. I just want you to know that. I resemble that quite a bit. Um, so we traveled uh, and played other Christian schools around the Midwest uh, on the weekends. And uh, every one of us in our locker rooms, we prayed that God would give us the victory. Yeah. You don't think that on both sides of that war, they weren't praying that God would give them the victory. They weren't wrapping themselves in the Bible as well as their flag. Yeah. yeah. They just got it wrong. Some people just got it wrong. It's, it's okay to, to admit that. And it takes a while sometimes. We are slow people. Aren't you glad? Maybe we're not glad, but aren't you glad that, that God is slow to anger and allows us time as, as human beings to, come to understand what it is that we're supposed to do and be with people. It's all there. We just got to put it together. By the way, when we're done, we're just a few verses away here from being done with this. We're going to go on into Philemon. And in Philemon, we have an issue where a guy by the name of Onesimus was a slave that ran away from his owner. His owner's name was Philemon. Guess what? Onesimus is from Colossae, where his, that's where his owner was. He runs away to, of all places, Rome. Guess who he runs into in Rome? Guess Paul. what happens to Onesimus Paul. while he's in Rome? He becomes a believer. Yeah. Guess what Paul does? Sends him back. Sends him back. <laughs> Now he writes a letter to Philemon, and he's got some, you know, some some things he wants to say to Philemon. But this is the issue. That so, why didn't the, the church openly oppose slavery and seek to destroy it? Probably one of the biggest reasons was it was such a small minority with no political power. It couldn't change. It couldn't change the institution or build a social order based upon that. It had to do it from the foundation up. So Paul is careful about instructing slaves to secure their freedom if and when possible. This is the passage I was looking for, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 21, where it says, Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you, although if you can gain your freedom, do so. But he didn't advocate rebellion or the overthrow of the existing order. I, I'm amazed at what Gandhi did. I'm amazed at what Martin Luther King did with the no violence in the way that they protested and the way that they expressed their opinions and feelings. And I'm thinking that's probably the most, the closest I've seen to what the way a Christian ought to respond that I've ever seen. You remember that, that, Colossians is, is one of three books that were written while Paul was in prison. Ephesians and Philemon and Colossians, the three, the three prison epistles, if you will. Now, by the way, when we get to Philemon, 
and we get to the end of getting a little further into Colossians here in chapter four, Paul does not advise Philemon to treat his runaway slave severely. He's supposed to receive him as a brother, even though he's still a slave. Does that kind of warp your mind? The Christian servant obey complete was expected uh, owed complete obedience to his master in the ministry as it was a ministry to the Lord. By the way, this was used in the South a lot. They would they would try to convert the, the you know the slaves to, to to Christianity and then they would use these verses to prove that they needed to obey their masters skipping over the whole issue of the, what the master was supposed to do. Just saying. And, and you wonder why we get it wrong. I, I was raised, I, I was brought, some of that aspect of the South what was still in place when I was in college. In fact, it probably, there's probably parts of it still in place today. Oh. <laughs> but the institution that I went to, I disagreed with, but I was a kid and I didn't, I guess I, I don't know. I don't know why oh, I went there because that's what our church, that's what our church supported. But I went there knowing that you could not date other races. They considered it a biblical perspective that you couldn't date other races, that it was theologically incorrect. So mm -hmm. I had a very good friend of mine who stood up in my wedding, who's since gone to be with the Lord, but um, I'm too sure. He was uh, he was a, uh, a mixture of white and uh, Asian. His, his mother was Chinese. And so uh, John uh, Pomfret was his name. His, his, John came to me our freshman year. We're sitting there and, and you've got to fill out a form. One of the forms we had to fill out then. Now it's since changed. There was, a, there was a Supreme Court decision. There was all kinds of stuff that took place over this. But anyhow. Uh, and and the, the school lost their 501c3 classification as a result of uh, to always Supreme Court. The Supreme Court upheld the government's view on it versus the school's view. So eventually the school, the school now has its 501c3 back, but it took about 20 years to get it. Anyhow, um, he says to me, he says, uh, in this form, he says, should I fill out that I'm Asian or I'm Caucasian? I said, Let's borrow one of my roommate's yearbook. <laughs> Let's count the number of, of Asian looking people that are women that are in this, this yearbook and then count the number of white gals. Decide what you want to, who you want, you know, where's your biggest pool to date from? Oh my God. <laughs> Put down that you're Occidental, dude. Put down your Occidental, you know, because you won't, and he dated, he, he married a, a really cute little white gal. I stood up in his wedding as well. He stood up in mine. Uh, it was, but you, you know, it was wrong. It was just wrong. It was a holdover from the South. It was a holdover from a misunderstanding of, of a passage of scripture in, in Genesis. But, uh, and, and I, you know, I was a Northern guy. You know, we had, they had all kinds of rules in the South. They, back in the South, remember, I don't know if you know, you weren't supposed to bathe with, you know, you weren't supposed to go swimming with somebody else. They call it, you weren't supposed to bathe with the person of the opposite sex. Yeah. And I used to tell them, I said, I'm not looking to take a bath with her. I just want to go to swim. I want to go swimming with her. <laughs> yeah. I go for the bath, personally. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> he means in baptism. Yeah, that's right. I was going to, yeah. All right. So anyhow, the, the issue here is what I see here is that, that uh, Paul is emphasizing the positive side of obedience. God also shows that he's no respecter of persons. Look at in Acts chapter 10, verse 34. It says, I now realize, Paul, Peter says this about the, the, the sheet coming down from heaven and the, uh, you know, eat that which is unclean. And, you know, that whole issue we talked about in, in Acts. He says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Romans 2, 11 says God does not show favoritism. Ephesians 6, 9, which is the parallel passage to this passage in Colossians it says masters treat yourself your slaves the same way do not threaten them since you know that he is both their master and yours in heaven and there's no favoritism with him James 2 says brothers uh, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ don't show favoritism but if you show favoritism you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers Pretty strong words. If we were to apply that to today, work as though you're working in the Lord. I knew I've known guys uh, in my various ministries that were told to slow down their work in the plant. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Because <laughs> they were making the other people look bad. Right. Yeah. They'll get rid of people. I, I know a guy that was fired. Yeah, that was fired from his job oh, for wow. working too hard. Yep. Oh, wow. I saw really? it too. Really? Wow. He, he was, this, this kid was, was trying to earn his way to, to, to uh, earn some money to go to college. And he wanted to give his employers a good day's work uh, each and every day that he was there. But it showed up, frankly, it showed up kind of the laziness of some of the other guys around him. You know, you know, Val. Every time, every time we had uh, college kids come in and work, and usually their parents were, you know, higher up people. Yeah. Uh, they worked hard, and they all got in trouble, and usually couldn't make it through the whole year because the union would get on them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Working too hard, man. You take it up. <laughs> you do that, yeah. we'll lay off five people. You know. Yeah, <laughs> so, sorry, you know, for, if you know, last in, first out. You know that this whole thing is what this yeah. the way it worked, right? Yeah, that happened to me in my work. When I was in the really? I didn't get fired though, but if that was a big thing. They said, "Slow down, you make us look bad." Right. So, oh, wow, what the? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. You know, in today's world, it's sometimes difficult for Christians to obey God and to hold on to their job or get a promotion or get a contract. But we're told that we must obey God just the same and trust Him for what our needs are. Yeah, uh, I, I've told you about my father having some strong convictions about things. I've told you about my situation where I turned down about forty yeah. or fifty thousand dollars worth of money yeah. a year because I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna supply a product for uh, uh, adult entertainment yeah. houses. My, my father turned down a, a very huge contract with a. <laughs> with a beverage company, um, non, non-alcoholic beverage company here in, in, in uh, Detroit because he wouldn't pay him a bribe under the table. Um, my uh, 
my father turned down uh, Stroh's. Uh, he turned down Seagram 7 uh, because he had a position that he took on alcohol. You know. It made it tough sometimes. We didn't get some of the business we could have gotten. Yeah. But we did it because we said, well, this is, this is where we stand as a, as a company. This is the position we've taken. And now, you know, you know me, I, I'm overseas. I'm, uh, I, in fact, even up north, is it up north overseas, Tom? <laughs> uh, on the sea. Oh, okay. All right. So it counts. You know, so. <laughs> you know um, uh, yesterday in my small group, um, yeah. we were, one of the guys, uh, two of the guys are um, wealth management in wealth management. So they are talking about um, should they be investing in, well, companies um, that they don't agree with some of their, some of the products they provide? Yeah, uh, the companies that they invest in, you know, like yeah. um, YouTube and, uh, Twitter and all that kind of stuff with all the um, artificial intelligence manipulation. I guess there's a Netflix um, program that just came about within the last month or so that uh, really the girls a lot about beauties. Army beauties. beauties. It's called. I haven't watched I'm, it, but I, yeah, oh I, God, I've no. heard about it. <laughs> Didn't find. It. I, I, I'm going. I, I before I even knew there was. A, it was controversial. I looked at it. And go. This doesn't sound like anything I'd be interested in. But okay. So like what what so when you in, invest in those funds do you it, it would seem like in in your business Val um, with it's rather upfront that you can make those types of decisions true yeah most of the but when you're talking about you know investing in funds and things like that where you know some mutual funds you know have hundreds of different companies in it you can't really discern that. Then I think you you have to, and this is an opinion, okay? And you know what my what I tell you about opinions. Exactly. Yeah. It's only worth the free coffee you get today. That's right, and I get free coffee at Panera if I were to ever go there. I'm going to go there the tenth. I'm going to have coffee. Um, I think that you have to decide, you know, how what's best for you and you and this is going to be something you're going to wrestle with and ask god to give you wisdom on excuse me and then whatever god tells you to do you better do it uh it's some of this is a little difficult some of these some mutual funds is very difficult because you you'd have to drill down so far to find out Correct. some of what they're involved with you might mm -hmm. or might not know but you know it was like back in the day uh you know, did you did you invest in some of the uh, uh, the companies that you know, like R.J. Reynolds Tobacco? Tobacco companies. That's that's a big area that, frankly, I've I've always just and it's a personal choice. But I just said I'm not investing in yeah tobacco companies. Yeah, yeah, and it's possible that there are other things. You know, there might be people that are against mining companies because of strip mining or. You know, people that have, you know, that do things inappropriately or, or don't take care of their workers or, and each of these things is, is going to be tough. And sometimes, you, to be honest, when you start investing, sometimes you're just not going to know. Yeah. And you're going to just have to trust the people that, you know, develop a relationship with your 
in whoever's doing your investing and say, either you turn it all over to them and you, and you just don't pay attention, or if you do pay attention, you're going to have to trust them that they're going to steer you in the right direction. There's like, there's a group of nuns that, you know, that show up at all the shareholders meetings for at DT energy uh, because of, I think it's environmental and the nuclear plant. <clears throat> and they are like, very vocal and you know they probably have one share of stock so they can show up and (laughs) make their their uh you know opinions heard yeah you could probably you could probably find something with just about every corporation i'm sure you could yeah probably 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 so I, I think the gospel did not did not immediately destroy slavery, but I think what it did is it set about a changes that in the relationship between slave and master that would eventually lead to, you know, it took a while. Now, I'm not sure that, you know, obviously God knew what, how long it was going to take for some of this to take place. But the other side of that equation is maybe we're, we were just a little slow on the uptake. But Wilberforce took how many, he destroyed himself trying to free the British uh, uh, Empire from slavery. Hmm. He de- literally destroyed his, his physical health wow. in the House of, uh, I think it was, was Wilberforce in the House of Commons, I think he was. Hmm. Um, but it, had, it was something like 40 years. Yeah, yeah. Is it, there's a great story. I don't remember the name of the story. There's a great story out there. If you can find it, it's probably available on some channel or some, you know, YouTube or uh, well, I don't know YouTube, but maybe Netflix or maybe Amazon Prime or I don't know. Somebody or other would have it. It's, it's, it's amazing, a, Grace. Thank you. That's yep. Yep. It's a great story. You get to hear about uh, the guy that wrote Amazing Grace too, as part of that yeah. story. Yeah. Um, he was a slaver who came to know the Lord. Yeah. So, all right. So what are we told? What, we were told that uh, in Galatians 3, 28, there's neither Jew nor Gre- uh, Greek, slave or free, male or female, but you are all one in Christ Jesus. Um, we're told not to mistreat. Uh, masters are told not to mistreat their slaves. He says, uh, uh, because he's go- he says, uh, um, in First Corinthians seven twenty two, for he was a slave when he was called by the Lord at the Lord's freedman. Similarly, he was a free man when he was called to be Christ's slave. Um, our social relations. I've told you how how strange must it have been to have been an elder in a church, be the slave, and have the owners come to the church service. Crazy. You don't think it changed, it started to change the way that they were working with each other? So Paul's guidelines for slaves, and if we want to translate it into today's situation, I would say workers, is to obey and serve genuinely. Given an order, do it unless it, dis- unless it causes disobedience, you know, Unless it breaks the law or it causes you to, to break the law of Christ. And do it genuinely. Serve. That's the hard part. 
I don't like to do it. Now, why, why should we do that? According to, according to this passage in chapter 3, verse 24, we do it because you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. So the first appeal that, that Paul makes to slaves is be motivated by a reward. Uh, the second one would be this. How are we doing time? Okay. The second one is uh, the sovereignty of the, of the Lord. It is Lord Christ you are serving. Notice that it's the emphasis is not on the name Jesus, but on two offices that Christ has, Lord and Messiah. Two titles. One refers to his messianic word, the other to his sovereignty. So I think that the combination uh, served to remind slaves of two, one, or, uh, one of two truths, or perhaps both. One, uh, they were to be conscious of their salvation, which came from the same one who was their master. He cared enough to save. He could also care for their needs. Secondly, this, the combination of these two, uh, serve and obey, uh, stresses two aspects of the Lord's work which uh, applies especially to slaves, the work of salvation, which is total redemption. And they knew they served a redeemer who was sovereign and he could deliver them in time and he would deliver them in eternity. This is the part that is the, the hardest when it comes to slavery, but this is true in all, all aspects of our lives. If God allows whatever situation we're involved in, whatever it is that we're going through, whatever we're struggling with, if he allows for us to have to remain in that, it's because he has some other plan for our life. His plan is temporarily overriding his deliverance from whatever trouble you're in. Really good. And here's the, here's the kicker. Do you trust God enough to go through whatever it is that he puts you through? Do you trust him that he's got your best interest at heart? Because the problem so often is while I say it with my head, I don't believe it in my heart. I still think that he's that God that's sitting on the throne with a lightning bolt just waiting to smack me down. Yeah. Well, he is, isn't he? <laughs> but he chooses not to use it. Yeah, well, he's long-suffering, that's true. Yeah. He's long-suffering. Now, the thing that the thing that comes out, what if, what if you have a boss or in a slave situation, you have a master that is, that is not a believer and they're unjust. Pray for another job. Pray for another job. <laughs> Realize that, that they will, they will be held accountable for this at some point in time. They will be held accountable for what they, for what they do as a boss, as an owner, as a slave driver. I would and, say now, in, in, in this day and time, almost certainly you're working for a non-Christian. I mean, there's only, there, yeah. there are 
maybe 30%. So you're going to be working for a lot of non-Christian people. Yeah. Yeah. And the result of that is there are going to be times when that as a Christian, you're going to be taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I know it doesn't seem like it, but it's okay. I have to keep reminding myself because I'm just as bad as everyone else. I'm. That's not fair. No, you're not. You're not as bad. God did not call. Show me in the Bible where God's fair. Hmm. Aren't you glad that God is not fair? Because what would happen if God was fair? We'd all be. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here. <laughs> I used to tell my kids this all the time. I am so glad that God is not fair. That's not fair. I don't care. <laughs> Show me in the Bible where God's fair, and I'll be fair to you. <laughs> he is fair. He's a little abundant. He has mercy. Not a respecter of persons. So it doesn't matter whether you're a boss, a king, a president, a servant, a union worker. A street cleaner like you're going to be or whatever. That's right. I'm going to be. I. You guys know. I've already. I. I believe I'm going to be. I'm going to be on the road repair. It's going to be my job. Oh. <laughs> be fixing those potholes with liquid gold, man. That's right. But <laughs> you can't spend it. <laughs> it's so plentiful up there. We pave roads with. It. You believe that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see here. A couple of things. Okay, I'm going to skip that. You can see this. This is the book uh, that the movie is based on by William Wilberforce. It's his ah, yeah. You guys, can you guys see that? You might have to put him on speaker mode. See it. But anyway, it's by Eric Metaxas, the same guy that wrote. Oh, yeah. I think he wrote the uh, uh, Bonhoeffer. Yes, he did. Um, biography also it's very good it, 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 uh, the movie's great uh, the book is really good so we have a recommendation Amazing Grace by Eric Metasis right yeah yep. cool I'll to, I, you know I have not bought that I should look into that I can put it on my stack of books that I have not read yeah read. Right. exactly <laughs> all right so um Let's see if we can. Oh man, you did good. Uh, we ran out of time. All right. What time is it? I only have uh, I have twenty going. more pages to get through. Oh my gosh. No. <laughs> what um, is this? This doctoral thesis? What? You know. uh, well, I, I always over. I always over prepare. That's right. I always over prepare. All right. So, in conclusion, let me just say this: we. God wants us to be concerned about others. God wants unity in his church. Unity does not mean uniformity. Unity does allow for disagreements. It needs to be done civilly. It needs to be done in a way that brings... um, that, that, that doesn't harm the cause of Christ. 
And when it comes to how we treat people, there are going to be differences in culture, in economics, in all of those things. And God says that we're not to be a respecter of persons. You know, it's always a hard thing to do is to help those that are not in, that, that don't look like us and aren't in our same class of people, our, our, our economic status. Yet that's what God wants us to do, is to reach out and to realize that we're all part of the same family. Now, does that mean that both sides need, need to understand some things? Probably. Does it mean that both sides have probably got some of it wrong? Yeah. Does that mean that uh, we got, we, we, some, both sides, we got some of it right? Yeah, probably. Are we going to solve it this side of heaven? No. Should we work at it? This side of heaven, yeah. Yeah. Because I think it pleases the Lord as we try to strive for unity and try to figure out how we can come together. <clears throat> but we need to do it with civility. We need to do it with concern and care for the other person. And we need to recognize there are times when people are hurting. And uh, sometimes... There isn't anything you can do other than just put it on You know, when when person has a great loss, platitudes make you feel good when you tell them to somebody else. They don't do a thing for that other person. Not then. Not when they're going through it. They just don't. You ever gone to a funeral and just put your arm around your friend? Just sat with them? You don't even sometimes have to say anything. There's nothing you can do to take away the hurt or the pain that they're going through. But sometimes just being there is enough. So, have I beaten this up enough? I hope so. I hope not. Huh. We have a we we still have a long way to go. We're uh, we're on, we're on the road, and I think God is is working in each of our lives. And, and here's what I want you to know. God has a plan. God's plan includes what's ultimately, he's looked at all of the possibilities. Larry, you shaved your beard down. Dude, I just noticed that. Uh, going to a wedding. <laughs> I noticed. I thought he's got the new look going. Man, you're looking, you're looking spiffy there, dude. <laughs> yeah, family photos. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt in the middle of that, but it just dawned on me. I'm looking at him, looking. He's looking pretty, he's looking pretty dapper there. And I'm going, what's <laughs> it, it's the beard? Well, the Stanley Cup ended last night, so you can shave the beards. <laughs> God's plan. Remember, according to First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, First Corinthians. Excuse me. First Corinthians says that. God knows exactly what he's doing. He's got you, and these, these are Val's, uh, Val's paraphrase. He's got you in a pressure cooker. He knows how much pressure to apply to, to get you to the right temperature and to get you to the right 
doneness in your life. And when you want to say uncle, he's going to say, yeah, no, not so much yet. You need to still be on there. The pressure needs to continue to build. I'll let you know when we turn the pressure down. But he does know exactly. He's got his hand on, on the temperature gauge and he can adjust it as it's necessary. He knows when he'll do it. Until then, welcome to the pressure. Welcome to the pressure. We all enjoy misery. Well, no, no, we enjoy company. That's right, inner misery. That's what it is. I always get those two confused. All right, guys. God bless. Uh, I hope any comments you want to make, that's fine. But um, I'm going to stop the recording now so we can...